Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 11, the call to endurance. Therefore, since we, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and run with endurance the race that lies before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Fatherly discipline. For consider him who endured, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. In struggling against sin, you, will, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or faith, or faint when you are rep reproved by him. For the, Lord's, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and punishes every son whom he receives. Endure, endure it as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? But if you were without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we, have natural, we had natural fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. Not discipline, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Good morning, church. It's a privilege to be able to be with you this morning and share God's word, despite the unfortunate circumstances of Chris being sick. It's been nice seeing Chris at college, uh, not every week, but some weeks. As you might know, he's doing his PhD, and so we bump into each other, and he tries to not give me a hard time in front of my lectures, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know me, um, I'm Josh. I serve as the youth worker in Manevelin Reform Church. And um, yes, I am soccer mad, and um, Australia and South Africa are doing quite well in the World Cup at the moment, so happy man. But um, before we get into the word this morning, um, let me pray for us, as I need God's help to speak his word faithfully, and you need his help to be able to receive it as well. Yes, Lord, we thank you that we can be here this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word, your truth, and how it guides us throughout all of life through the ups and the downs. Um, Lord, would you please help me to speak your word faithfully this morning. Lord, anything that isn't of you, let me uh, not proceed from my mouth, Father. And we pray that um, for all of us today that we're able to receive what you have for us and be encouraged um, and to be able to continue on in the faith journey that you've called us to. In your name we pray, amen. Now, as you can see, um, thanks to Danica who read out this morning's passage, we're in the book of Hebrews, and I have a confession to make. For most of my life, I've not enjoyed reading the book of Hebrews because it's been 
confusing. It's quite uh, sophisticated language, and it's drenched in all these uh, Old Testament references, which can be a bit obscure. However, since studying at college, I've sort of changed my mind on it a bit. And so to help us understand the context of this letter, I want to just highlight a few things. Um, Now, something unique about this letter is that it isn't written by Paul like most of the New Testament letters because it talks about in the first couple chapters the writer being a second-hand witness of Jesus. And we all know that Paul, uh, on his way to Damascus, did have an encounter with Jesus. However... We know that this person was probably close with Paul because he mentions Timothy later on in the book, in the letter. And we also can assume that um, the people receiving this letter were mainly Jewish due to all these Old Testament references as well as the book being called to the Hebrews as well. And the letter serves as a purpose um, of a warning and an encouragement because many appeared to be drifting away from their faith. They were probably Jewish, yes, but they were under the Roman Empire. And because of that, Christians were being imprisoned, they were being persecuted and not treated well. And potentially they might have been reverting back to Judaism because it was the much safer uh, thing to do. And Judaism, um, for for us all to remember, uh, believes that Christ has not come and that the Messiah has not come. And so that's obviously what we're all about here as Christians. And so you can see why that is an issue as well. And so our reading today comes from the tail end of the book where um, the author expresses his final encouragement to the Hebrews through an, in, uh, through an imagery of an athletic race, which the Greeks would have been very familiar with at the time around that culture. And so just so you know where we're going this morning, we're going to be looking at three points from today's passage. Uh, The first point being that faith requires endurance, endurance requires motivation, and endurance requires discipline. And so we're going to first look at faith requires endurance. And I've I've got a picture on the next one, if that's all right. Now, when I think about endurance, when it comes to running, I can't help but think of the movie Forrest Gump. Obviously, it's a fictional movie. However, we see the main character in a part of the movie run for what we are told is three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours, being a total of 25,000 kilometers, where he crossed the United States and back five times, back and forth. Now, obviously... For you to do this, it'd be silly to sprint because you need the energy to endure because you'd burn out otherwise. So just as Forrest does in the movie, he paces himself with a steady jog and he is focused on the run so that he doesn't burn out. He's not distracted by the people that join him along the way. He's focused on the run. Now in Hebrews, we read that our faith, just like a race, requires endurance that will help us reach the end goal. It's important to note that the imagery of a race used here, when it talks about reaching the goal, it's not talking about beating others, it's talking about crossing the finish line because we know that faith is not a competition. Um, I hope we all know that. And, there, and it says, I'm just going to uh, read from verse 1 and 2 again. It says, Therefore, since we 
also have such a loud, uh, large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. In the previous chapter, we find a list of what I like to call is um, the Bible Hall of Fame because it starts a creation and it goes through all these biblical figures and it points out all these faithful people that have followed God in past. And it sort of gets through a couple books and then the writer says, there's too many. I haven't even talked about these people. I haven't talked about David. I haven't talked about... um, I haven't talked about the judges yet. He said there's too many faithful people. And this is who he's talking about at the start of our passage when it says we have a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. God is calling the believers to likewise have endurance in our faith like those that have gone prior, like Moses, like Joshua, like Abraham. Not so much because they're looking down on us, but rather we can look to them when times get hard and we can look to them for encouragement. Because although our time on earth is short, it is a lot longer than a 100-meter sprint, and our faith is not a sprint. It requires endurance. And our passage tells us that we are to lay aside every hindrance and the sin that ensnares us. When preparing for a race, you're intentional about your diet, your training, how much sleep you get the night before, what shoe brand you wear that fits your feet the best, and what is going to help you, and what the things that aren't going to help you reject. And likewise, when it comes to the Christian faith, some things in life must be rejected so that we are to run effectively. The Christian life, like a long-distance race, is difficult and therefore takes constant sustained effort and takes strategy. We need to be intentional. Are there things we are allowing in our Christian life that are hindering our faith? Obviously, the more we indulge in sinful life, the more our faith will be hindered. But it's often not just the bad things that hinder us in life, but sometimes the good things can hinder our faith as well, that we prioritize too much. The passage says everything that hinders and also the sin, meaning that the that it's not just sin that hinders our faith, there's also other things. Maybe certain possessions, hobbies, patterns of life, or even people in our life can distract us or hamper our endurance of our faith. Reading or watching certain content can be good, for example. Maybe harmless, but if it constantly distracts us from God and being a part of what he has called us to be, then it can be a hindrance. A sport may be a great source of physical exercise. But it can also be a hindrance to faith if the person is to idolize this every week. An unmarried person may take great pleasure in the company of a new romance, and this can be a good thing. But again, if such a relationship is idolized in the light of our commitment to Christ, it can be a hindrance to our faith. This same goes for a pay rise, for financial goals. All these things, they're not inherently bad, but they only become bad and a hindrance when we prioritize them beyond our commitment in our faith. All things can impact our spiritual life. 
Everything we do in life can affect our faithfulness to God and our priorities. And just like a runner does not run on an empty stomach during a race, so we should not run on an empty stomach in our faith. And so how are we being fed so that we can endure through the hard times and the good times? How are you preparing and training for your endurance? Are you being discipled through your church? Are you in growth groups? Are you meditating on God's word regularly yourself? Are you praying to God regularly? Because without endurance, we drift away. Without endurance, we are likely to burn out. Without endurance, one sets themselves on a trajectory of giving up and abandoning the faith. Intentional sin obviously sets us in this direction, and I shouldn't need to talk too much on that. Many times in my faith journey, have I had to repent not only for sin, but also not being intentional about how I've often been distracted by the blessings as well. And some of these Hebrews, they weren't being intentional either. And because of it, they were drifting away. They weren't prioritizing meeting together regularly. And overall, they were neglecting the faith that they had in Christ. And maybe this was because they wanted comfort. They didn't want to be persecuted. And so we see that endurance requires, sorry, faith requires endurance. And furthermore, endurance requires motivation. And I've got the second picture up on the screen, and it's of me and my cousin uh, about 10 years ago. And I remember doing a 50-kilometer fundraiser walk with Hope Builders, I've done that a few times as well as I did Oxfam. And when doing a lot of these things, I remember getting up early, like 5 a.m., walking from like 7 a.m. and walking for 12 hours straight. And the first part of the morning was beautiful. It was a bit cold, but sure enough, you get warm, only for you to start to get tense calves. And then the blisters start to kick in. And then your socks get wet. And then the food runs out. And then you need to go to the toilet. And there's no toilets for another 10Ks. And I make it sound like it was a bad experience. But I do love doing it. But just because I love doing these walks, it doesn't mean that they are easy. Regular exercise, discipline, and a healthy mindset and strategy was needed. Something I looked forward to and had to remind myself at the, during these walks and races was the masseuses at the end of the finish line that were giving full body massages to all people that finished. During the hard times, during the wet, during the blisters, during the times I needed to go to the toilet, these are the things that were keeping me going. Because we all like rewards, don't we? Whether it be the chocolate bar we get for ourselves after submitting an assignment, the restaurant we go to as a family for celebration, a holiday that we've been planning for for years and saving for. Often rewards keep us motivated during the mundane parts of our life. And our passage tells us, it says, Run with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we fix our eyes on Jesus like our passage says. 
we are reminded of the great reward we have in Christ. During those mundane parts of our life, we can be reminded of this. The cleansing of our sins that was achieved at the cross means we enjoy in our justification now and can look forward to our glorification when we join Jesus in eternal life. And I just want to read a bit from Revelation 21 uh, that gives us a glimpse of this. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to them, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children." When we talk about faith and endurance requiring motivation, this should be our motivation. It says, those who are victorious will inherit this. I will be their God and they will be my children. This is a great reward we have that we can often forget in the mundane parts of life. It says in our passage that we are to look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Other translations might use author or forerunner. And the idea is that he is the one that's ran this journey ahead of us. He ran the race of faith on this very earth. He faced hardship, criticism, doubt, and mocking from his closest family and friends. Yet he made a way for us. He is the way. Because the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He went through so much, but what kept him going was his motivation of the Father's will. And he endured the cross because of the joy set before him. Despising its shame, he endured the worst death sentence in those times because of this. And you know what he said to the criminal next to him on the cross? Today you will be with me in paradise. Because his joy didn't come from anything that was on this earth, but his joy came from the bigger picture of reconciliation. He positioned himself that he would never lose sight of God's will for him. Do we know the joy set before us this morning? Do we see the motivation we have due to our gracious and loving God? It says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, so that you won't grow weary and give up in struggling against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And this verse implies that Jesus endured the pouring out of his blood, then the Hebrews, to, and for us today, can endure such lesser persecution. And what happens when we don't have motivation in our faith? Well, without motivation, we're quick to give up, quick to grow weak, quick to be encumbered. 
when we run a race and we don't have motivation, we're quick to bail, to pike out, to not reach the end goal. When we have no, vo- no motivation in our faith, we give in to fleshly desires, we give in to sin. When we don't have our eyes fixed on Jesus, we get enslaved to the things of this world that won't last and live in a life that is distracted. When we don't have our eyes on Jesus, we don't complete the race. It's a bit like Peter who hopped out of the boat when he saw Jesus walking towards him. Jesus was guiding him as he was walking on water, but as soon as he looked down at the waves and got distressed, he began to sink. When we have no motivation, when we're not looking to Jesus, we can quite easily start to sink. We don't get to the finish line by simply being a good person, but rather by keeping our eyes on Jesus because Jesus is the perfecter of our faith, which is the greatest news that we will ever hear. He is the one cheering us on. He is the finish line. He is the way. The perfecter of our faith, the perfecter of past fulfillments and the perfecter of future fulfillments. He has set that path before us, and without him, we do not know where to go. We learn this through his word, which guides us and teaches us how to run the race whenever we're lost or not sure. And so we see that faith requires endurance, endurance requires motivation. And then our last point, endurance requires discipline. Now, when we think of discipline, it's quite a jarring word, isn't it? can often have negative connotations. We might associate being told off, getting disciplined from work, getting a written warning maybe, or getting fired, parents disciplining their kids, or receiving discipline from your parents. Discipline is always hard and does not feel good at the time, whether you're giving it or receiving it really. Now, passage refers to hardship as the Lord's discipline. And because of it, we learn all the more to endure in our faith. Our passage says, And have you not forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See, God places the subject of discipline in a positive framework as a topic of encouragement or comfort because the Lord's love and acceptance into his family. 
It takes the reference of son from uh, this proverb, Proverbs 3, and it's directly applied to the whole Christian community of the Hebrews and for us today. And God is making this parallel between the Hebrews' hardship and the Lord's discipline. Because every Christian in Rome at the time who publicly declared their faith was experiencing hardship. They were being imprisoned, beaten. And although Christians can face hardship and we surrender our life to God and choose to run this race, like many of us here today have chosen, we can remember that the Lord's hardship means that we are children of God. It is an identifier that we are children of God. Now, we might not be getting killed or beaten today, which we can be thankful for. But we ourselves, similar, live in a culture that isn't necessarily um, nice towards Christians. Our world sees us as hypocrites, sex offenders, obnoxious, silly. And we aren't being killed But we are being more restricted with legislation such as the recent conversion therapy bill. And we even see people like Andrew Thorburn, um, who worked at Essendon, get sacked due to his affiliation with his faith. And so we're aware that although we're not being persecuted, our culture around us isn't that accepting of us. And as Christians, we need to recognise that Yes, although we don't fit in, this makes us children of God because it says those who do not experience hardship and do not experience discipline are illegitimate children. And this can be great confidence to us as we go throughout life. We face tough questions, moral issues, ethical issues that our culture is pretty set to go against what we stand for. And this can be hard. But we cannot think that hardship is inattention from God. Rather, the difficulties faced are actually signs that we are children of the Father. And these difficulties are evidence of a transformation of our heart as we are living according to God's word and we have a conviction about God's word. The writer tells us that God's sons and daughters pursue faith through persistent obedience despite the painful opposition. Because discipline is always painful. Hardship is painful. But these hardships are the Lord's discipline in making us steadfast in our Christian life, which results in sharing His holiness. The whole context suggests that right parental discipline involves training or instructing in right living. And we see this, don't we? I remember my parents wouldn't let me get a mobile phone, even though all my friends did, and I would be annoyed at them. But later on in life, I could see what they were trying to do. I could see that they meant it for a good thing. In our Bible text, it says that. It says, If our parents disciplined us for a little time for our good, So the discipline of God that we receive is for our all the better. It says, No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. However, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 
The Hebrews are to recognize in their current difficulties the Lord's hand lovingly training them in right character, in righteousness and holiness. It's important to observe from the beginning that this divine discipline is not punishment from sin because Christ has already cleansed us from that. And it's not God who is inflicting evil, but rather it's God making use of evil opposition we face to fortify us as his sons and daughters in a way of obedience, that which marks us as the legitimate children of God. It says in Hebrews 5.8, we learn that Christ learned obedience through suffering as well. And in Matthew 10.22, Jesus says, You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. We are called to stand firm in these times and be faithful. The writer states that, they never faced the discipline. The writer states that if they never face the discipline of the Lord, then they are illegitimate children. And I want you to reflect what does this look like for you? Have you experienced different treatment because of your faith? Have you been mocked, judged, bullied, or treated unfairly? Feel as if you don't have a voice? This is the part of the race that we are called to run. If you haven't experienced this, this discomfort, will you be ready when you do? We can be confident through, though, that just as our earthly fathers discipline us, God is disciplining us through this. And without discipline, there is no humility, there is no submission to God. Some might leave during hardship, thinking God's neglected them, or that God neglects evil. And this is what the enemy wants. It won't make sense at the time, just as we see in the book of Job. But we can respond that God's ability to redeem bad circumstances and turn them around for the good is used throughout all of Scripture. And we can be encouraged by this as well. In fact, Christians are constantly encouraged to perceive their difficulties as a celebration instead of a sorrow. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. This shows that God, who is never the source of evil, can turn evil inside out, using it for his greater purpose. And no event bears witness to this more than Jesus' death on the cross. What at the time would have been seen as such an evil event, God used for his ultimate good. And we can have great confidence in that. Running the race requires discipline because the world naturally rejects Christ. So when it comes to hardship, let us not run away from the Lord, but rather let us run the race that is set before us and submit to God, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, I've covered a lot this morning. Hopefully, the Lord has made something stand out to you that you needed to hear. I know I have to keep preaching this to myself because it can be hard during those hard times to remember this. And it's no doubt that the Hebrews faced more hardship than we do. 
However, we need to be aware that choosing the Christian race will not be a stroll in the park. I encourage us as a church that we have a hope that does not disappoint. In the midst of a world where everything disappoints us, everything in this world, even our family, our friends, God does not disappoint us. It says in Romans 5, 3 to 5, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And this hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This hope does not disappoint. And something uh, really significant about our passage today is that it says, let us run the race. It doesn't say let you run the race or let I run the race. It says let us run the race because we are in this together. Not only do we have Jesus to fix our eyes on, but we have each other to remind ourselves of this. It's not exclusive. And in Hebrews 10, it actually tells uh, the Christians, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up um, to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day of the second coming draw near. We're called to encourage one another. And that's what church is all about, giving glory to God and supporting each other in that. Our life, this race, it's not easy. But we aren't to be discouraged by this. God sees the bigger picture and loves us as children when we look to him and endure. Let us remember the great reward we have in Christ when we reach the finish line. And let's remember to take our eyes off the things of this world and to fix our eyes on the eternal kingdom mindset. Having a faith with endurance, motivation and discipline, our confidence in what Christ has achieved and what hope for us lies ahead. That is what faith is all about. Yes, Lord, I thank you for your word, your truth. Lord, I thank you that you are so faithful to us, even when we aren't to you. Lord, I ask this morning, would you please help us with this? Would you help us in this race that is set before us? Would you help us to have endurance, Lord? Would you help us through the ups and the downs to keep our eyes on Jesus? Lord, would you help us to... Be reminded of the motivation we have, Lord. Lord, we only love because you first love. Lord, help us to remember the love that you laid down for us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, especially in the hard times, God, when it is so easy to give up, when it's so easy to throw the towel in, when it's so easy to, to leave, Lord. I pray that you would help us stand firm. pray that you would help us encourage one another. I pray that you would help us look to you in all things, Lord, and see your loving hand at work. Lord, I thank you um, that you are always working in our lives and you are never far. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to encourage one another in our relationship with you and our faith together as a church. We pray this in your name. Amen.